For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Saturday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating today? Well, those of you who follow my show, you know that all this month, I am celebrating National Book Blitz Month. Now, Book Blitz Month was set up because it was an encouragement to get people to go back to reading books. And I am a huge fan of books. Amazon loves me because books are arriving at my front door each and every day. And all this month, I have been celebrating some of the greatest authors that are out there. And I am so excited about today's show because I am bringing on a true renaissance man of the theater. I know this because he says so in his bio. He says so himself. But before I bring him on, I'd like to give you a glimpse of some of the other authors that I've celebrated since I started Richard Skipper celebrates virtually. Here they are. Take a look. And here he is. And it is so great when two of my passions collide. <laughs> and they are colliding today uh, with books and 50 key stage musicals. Uh, which you have edited. First of all, Happy New Year. Happy New uh, Year, Richard. Is this your third time on this show? I, think? I Yes, this is my third time with you. I am very honored. Yes, but you, each time you've been here, you're here in a different capacity. And take another sip. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I, I, I want to make sure I can show everyone... <laughs> I just got in from California yesterday, and this was waiting for me. Look at this. Isn't this wonderful? Yes, I love it. I love the fact that you have it. Thank you, and I'll drink to that as well. I'm drinking out of my Judy Garland mug. Oh. For Saturday morning. Jealous. Jealous. (laughs) Yes, but each time that you've been here, you are here in a different capacity. You've been here to celebrate your podcast. You've been here to celebrate uh, your theater company. And today you're here to celebrate your work uh, as an editor with this book. Uh, You've done so much in the theater. Uh, But who or what are you celebrating today? Oh, what a a great question. What a great question. Who am I celebrating today? I, you know, it's so funny. I woke up this morning and I thought of Rogers and Hart. For some reason, I had a craving to listen to Rogers and Hart. So I put on my Capital Sings Rogers and Hart album, and I'm celebrating them. I'm celebrating their genius and their brilliance. Does that count? It absolutely counts. And right. one of your Rogers and Hart musicals, uh, I think, are in the top 10, if I remember correctly, and that's Pal Joey. Pal Joey, absolutely. Absolutely. What was your criteria, you know, for choosing what you consider the 50 key uh, Broadway musicals. This, this was really tough. This was really tough because uh, my, my first co-author on the book was Peter Felicia. So Peter, who's a genius, he and I sat yes. down and we kept saying, it's not you know our favorites or, the, or audience favorites. So our, the criteria we finally came up with was, 
if it wasn't for sh- this show, there wouldn't be shows B, C, D, and E. Mm-hmm. So you had to actually be able to draw a line and go that because of this, we have this show, that show, and this show, which meant a lot of things that people really liked didn't get included in the book. So there is no Book of Mormon. There is no South Pacific because, or there's no Music Man, which is like one of my favorite musicals of all time. If if somebody says you get to direct the Music Man and we're not going to pay you a cent, I'll be like, great, just show me where I need to go. But we couldn't, seriously, we couldn't draw a line from that to any to anything else. Now, obviously, I'm sure there's tons of readers and tons of your viewers that are going to say, hey, wait a minute, I can. Great, we're going to do a second edition. So the cri- that was the criteria. But what I think is wonderful about a book such as this, um, or with any best of list, yes. is that it always opens up those avenues for a conversation. Yes. So it's great that rather than arguing, you know, they're wrong. Let's discuss why these musicals made it to this list. Yes. And it also opens the door for sequels. Yes, it does. And we love sequels. Oh, I love a sequel. I love a second edition. So I want to go back a little bit. You know, it's funny. Um, I am, uh, and I realize uh, now, a lot older than you. And I say that I'm a lot older than you uh, because I I grew up in South Carolina. And uh, I, from the moment that I knew what musical theater was, that was what I was gravitating towards. And I've talked about this before, and I'm going to go there again. I had a next door neighbor, Marion Cacharo, and Marion Cacharo. Uh, we lived in close proximity to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. My friend Sherry Callahan, who's watching right now, lives in Myrtle Beach now. Oh. Uh, and uh, Marion Cacharo uh, would come down every summer. She would always arrive shortly after Memorial Day, and she would stay through the summer through Labor Day. And she would always arrive and I would sit literally on the back stoop of our house waiting for her to arrive because she would always show up with the latest cast albums. And I will never forget her showing up with a chorus line. And when she showed up with a chorus line, she she got out of the car. She said, Ricky, have you heard this great musical? You have to come over tonight and you have to listen to this with me. So, of course, I go over that night. We are playing Yahtzee. We are listening to a chorus line. And then we start hearing words that we had never heard in musical theater before. Phrases, expressions, and conversations that we had never heard in musical theater before. Of course, this is in the South in the 70s. She was so shocked by what she was hearing that she immediately jumped up and took the needle off of the turntable and said, don't ever tell your parents that I played this album for you. Of course, I ran out immediately and bought the album because that sound... I had never heard. And then I, you shared this picture with me. Yes. Look at you. <laughs> Where is it? That's why I say this proves how much older I am. <laughs> but, um, but years later, you know, I had the great pleasure of appearing with Donna McKechnie. Oh, yeah. And to be able to share this story. And the other night, I was with Bayork Lee. And here we are, you know, years later. You know, being able to share these stories and 
it is such an iconic part of our lives. Do you, do, when you're sitting with someone like Donna or Bayor, do you still pinch yourself and go, oh boy, if that kid from South Carolina could see? Well, I'll tell you something. It's, and I'm glad that you asked that question. You know, Carol Channing used to say, when people would say, how did you ever get started in show business? Carol's response, her stock response was, I am so glad you asked that question because I so do love my answer. <laughs> <laughs> but on New Year's uh, Eve day, Turner Classic Movies did a tribute to all of the That's Entertainment movies. Yeah. And I was watching That's Entertainment. 1974, that movie comes to my hometown. I had, uh, and a lot of the mo those movies, for those like Charles Kirsch, Let's give a shout out to this kid. Oh, oh Charles. Uh, yes, Charles is watching. Charles Kirsch <laughs> wasn't even a seed in the mind of anyone at that point. No. <laughs> but a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant mind who makes you and I work harder at yes. what we do. Yes. Uh, so Charles, we love Charles. Yes. 1974, uh, we didn't have uh, VCRs. We didn't have TCM. We didn't have any of these platforms that gave us a chance to watch these types of movies. So in 1974, when I went to the Holiday Movie Theater in my hometown to watch the, this movie, I was the only one sitting in my movie theater watching that movie. Really? And I sat there at 13 years of age with tears streaming down my face. I don't know what it was, but watching those images on screen, it just pulled me in. And as I was watching this movie on New Year's Day of this year, it dawned on me on how many of those people in that film, and of course, in all those films, became friends of mine. And that blows my mind. Uh, 1981, and I know it's dro dropping names and, you know, but 1981, going to see 42nd Street on Broadway and Leroy Reams and Carol Cook and Tammy Grimes all became very good friends of mine. That I pinched myself and I do not take it for granted. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful when that happens. And I'm so happy you got to meet so many of your heroes. But and I don't think I don't know about you, but that never goes away for me because like yeah. like you, I still count Leroy as as a wonderful friend of mine. But I I've known him since he was you know I looked up to him going oh my god that's Billy Lawler yes and so no matter how many times he'll call or email there's still a little the little boy in me goes oh my god Leroy Reeves is calling me and as we celebrate National Book Blitz Month. Mm -hmm. That is the man who needs to write his book. Yes. I I, I hope I'm not telling tales out of school. But <laughs> I, I, not that Leroy ever would. No, it's just, I mean, it's, it's between you and me, Richard, of course. Yes, of course, um, somebody's watching. I, I have read the first draft. Have you really? I have, and it's fabulous. So I'm so Is there a chapter on me? I hope not. No, not that I am. <laughs> I didn't read that. Maybe that oh was like black paper or something. I don't know. But no, I, I he it's it's really good. It's really good. So I'm hoping he'll continue on with it. 
So but just know that maybe I wish we were You and I are sitting here having this conversation. And years ago, Leroy and his wonderful husband, Bob, who has passed on, who I loved so much. Yes. Leroy and Bob and Beth Fowler and Jack were here for dinner. And we sat down at seven o'clock and I have never laughed so much in my life. My sides were splitting and we sat down and at one o'clock in the morning, Bob said, I've got to go home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because these stories are just so amazing. And, but the thing that I want to say about Leroy is that Leroy still has that sense of wonder of mm -hmm. that kid from, and it was in the news this week, Covington, Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, you know, and every time I hear Covington, Kentucky, I think of Leroy. But that kid, you know, uh, wanting to be in show business. And I also want to shout out, today is the birthday of our beloved Harvey Evans. So, oh. yes, yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah, so may, you know, I know he's watching down on us. Yes. We all love that man. And, and again, Harvey Evans never lost that sense of wonderment. Do you find that the people that are the most successful in this business never lose that? Because I don't know about you, but I had very few interactions with Mr. Sondheim. But the interactions I did, if you mentioned a show that he liked, he turned into a little boy talking about his favorite musical. And I go, this is Stephen Sondheim. Yes. This is this is the, the, the end all and the be all. But I, I don't know about you. I have found that. I'm wondering if you found that oh, as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and I, doing what we do, and you and I are incredibly fortunate. Charles yes. would agree with us. Yes. I mean, think about, when I think about, I, let's, let, let's riff a little bit on Charles Kirsch. Okay. Oh, I love him. Backstage babble. Uh, anyone out there who's watching this show who doesn't watch uh, or listen to backstage babble. Uh, and by the way, Charles is going to be joining me, I think, on the 23rd. Uh, we're now uh, hooking up once a month uh, to do uh, a combination show. We're going to be right. talking about some of our th favorite theater books. Uh, maybe you'll come back, Rob, and, oh, uh, and sit yeah. with us. You know, so uh, I'm putting it out there now. Uh, but when I was growing up in South Carolina, uh, I had a great mentor, Florence Epps. I've talked about her before. And she instilled in me a sense of every time I stepped on stage, and I think about this every time I step in front of the camera, uh, that I'm carrying this mantle of everyone that went before me. And that I think it's very important that we honor and remember them. Yeah. Um, every year at this time, Unfortunately, we TCM does their in memoriam. All the theater list do their in memoriam, and in you know, and Playbill just did theirs. And my dear friend Joel Vig, who you know, if you know Joel, uh, incredible uh, actor himself, um, he pointed out that Joan Copeland was missing from the list. Uh, yeah, and Joan Copeland we lost last January, I think it was. Yeah. And so he's contacted Playbill. Hopefully they will rectify that issue. Yeah. Um, but these people who made such contributions to the theater, and again, if I'm mentioning a name that you don't know who they are, write the name down, Google them, look them up, because they all paved the way 
for what we all do. But I mention Charles and this in the same breath, because as I was growing up in South Carolina, never thinking, I mean, what Charles has the ability to do at this point is to share these stories with these iconic people who are such a part of our lives. And you mentioned Stephen Sondheim. I mean, let's talk about one of the oracles, uh, if not the oracle of the uh, musical theater. I never, ever, ever met him. I mean, our our paths never even crossed. We never even appeared in the same room at the same time. Um, I was never in the room where it happened with him. So, uh, but I, and that's a regret of mine. Sure. I mean, because I have had the opportunity, not only with the interviews that I've done, uh, but to be able to sit down and tell some of these people the impact that they've made on my life. And I'm sure that that's been, you know, one of the great honors that you've had as well. Oh, God, yeah. You know, I mean, the fact that I get to sit down and talk to my heroes, because, you know, like like you were saying, when I, when I was growing up, I was growing up in Los Angeles, and there was no YouTube, there was no internet. You had to read the back of Theater Week magazine or show music to see who might be willing to trade bootlegs so you could see what was going on on Broadway. Whether you like bootlegs or not, we can have that other discussion later. But that's at least where I got my education mm-hmm. from. And but you would or, or somebody would send you their old playbill collection. I learned more about theater from a gentleman whose name I'd like to mention. His name was Robert Bonato. And I'm wondering if Robert is still around. Robert sold playbills and he used to advertise in the back of Theater Week magazine. And I remember I sent away for some playbills. And he's like, I can also, it was all letter correspondence, by the way. This was not, this was not email. It was all, it was all letter correspondence. And he said, I can, I can sell you this if you're interested. And I, I think I was 11 or 12. And I said to him, "I, I would love to buy it in a month when my allowance makes up for that for that amount and so robert wrote back and said how old are you and i said well i'm 11 12 he said listen he's like just send me your address and for every week for maybe about two years another stack of free playbills would come and i amassed because of him maybe 12 1300 playbills um and for me as a theater kid that had no connection to New York at that time, you'd sit there and you'd memorize the names and you'd look over the song list and all that stuff. Um, and that, that to me was my education. So I think, but I think, but it, it means a lot now that when I get to actually sit down and I've looked at these names and, and say, Oh my gosh, I know everything about your career, but I shouldn't come off like a stalker. So I have to <laughs> I have to play it it cool or like you'll be interviewing someone and they'll be like, well, you know, I replaced in 1984. And you're like, no, you didn't. You replaced in January of 83. But okay, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but I always tell people and I don't know if you if you did this as well. and, And now it's so easy with social media. Write an email, send a message to them on 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 social media and just say how much you appreciate what they've done for you and how they've inspired you. I, I think that's so important. Yeah, I'll tell you a funny story. And then I want to go back to something oh, you yeah. just said. But I, you know, I went to see you know years ago uh, Bill Irwin and Kathleen Turner, and who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. The next day, I live in Rockland County, 
and Bill Irwin lived here uh, in Nyack. And I get on the bus to go into the city and who's on the bus but Bill Irwin. And I had seen him the night before. And as I got on the bus, I said, I don't want to bother you, but I just want to tell you I saw the show last night and how brilliant you are on the show. And he said, bother me, bother me, sit down next to me. Yes. And we rode into the city together and uh, we stayed in touch, you know, so it was- I love that. You know, just really wonderful. But you mentioned, uh, you know, the magazines and everything uh, yeah. long before that. Um, my parents used to drop me off. I mean, there was a time, again, we're taking people back for a moment. There was a time where we didn't have uh, social media and everything. When my parents paid their bills, um, if they didn't send them through the mail, they would go to the post office. I mean, uh, they would go to uh, the dry cleaners and all yes. these places on Saturday mornings. But they would always drop me off at the Conway Library in my yeah. hometown. And my first place to go was to get the preceding Sunday's New York Times and ah. to go to the arts and leisure section. And the first thing, what do you think was the first thing that I looked for? Oh, okay. Now, wait a minute. I'm, you could be one of the grossest kids. You could be one of the what's coming up kids. You could, I'm, I'm curious, what were you? What did you go Let's to? Let's see if anyone can guess. Yeah. The first thing that I looked for in the Sunday New York Times. Okay. Someone's so going to come up with it. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what the guesses are. And the person who comes up with it is going to get a free copy of this book. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Yes. I'm curious. I, I was always the what's coming up. That was that was the one for me on the Rialto. I think it's what it was called. Um, and if you, the New York Times now, ah, Joel Rothman won. Joel, hey Joel, I know Joel, Joel and Jerry. Joel, send me uh, uh, Richard at richardskipper.com, uh, and you will get an autographed copy uh, of this book. Uh, Rob is going to autograph it for you. Yeah. Now wait, um, what is it? Because I can't see the message. Hirschfeld. Hirschfelds. I would go to get, I would look at the Hirschfeld and I would count the Ninas. Ah. Uh, yes. Thank you, Joel. You got it. Yes, Joel. The first thing that I would look for and I would count the Ninas. And uh, when, when I, I, I don't even know how I discovered the Ninas, uh, but it was something that was there. And when I discovered that, I, uh, would go in and uh, that was the first thing that I would do. Now, you came from LA. Mm -hmm. What year did you arrive in New York? So it's an interesting trajectory. I was born in Brooklyn. And so from a very early age, my parents were very supportive of the arts. So I really do not think there was a weekend that went by where I was not taken to a Broadway show. So let's go back then. What was the first Broadway show that you saw that you remember? Tajo Full with Peter Marshall and Keen Curtis. Wow. And I got to interview Peter Marshall. And I said to him, I said, you were the first actor I ever saw in my life. And you're the reason why I got into this business. And he said, I am so sorry. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but it was it was Peter Marshall, Keen Curtis, Lakajo Full. That was the first. And if I was really good, my parents would buy me a poster. So by the time I was, you know, six or seven, I had tons of show posters around. Rob, I want to tell you those photos because those are something. What are your parents' names? Howard and Nancy. 
Howard and Nancy, God bless you. God, yeah, oh, bless, yeah. you, God bless you. God bless you. Charles, his parents, and yep. uh, you know, and another thing, Charles's mom and I share a birthday. Do you so, really? Yes, we do. I love Remy. Yes, we do. I, I love her so much. But I didn't have that. I didn't have, you know, I grew up in a small town in South Carolina. And I don't say this to knock my parents because it was foreign to them. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of football, you know. <laughs> and although I'm going to tell everybody, uh, plug, on Thursday, I'm doing a, a show about how the NFL changed the face of how we look at sports on TV. Oh, that'll be fascinating. So the book is phenomenal. Uh, uh, Rich Podolsky, incredible oh. book. But I, you know, it's given me an insight into that world that I knew nothing about. But my parents did not know this world. And even though it was something that was pulling me in, uh, my parents could not grasp the, the uh, when I did my first show. And again, everyone, I didn't even know that my parents came to see the show until three months later when I found the playbill. Ah. You know, because my parents were not effusive about my role in the show. They did not encourage me. Uh, they just, it was not something they could wrap their uh, brains around. So any parent out there who encourages their kids in the arts, I bow to you yeah. because I didn't have it. And, uh, you know, it, it's a world that I knew nothing about. Um, so I came to New York on my own in 1979, which was a very different New York. Yeah. The first Broadway show that I saw um, and I won tickets on WNEW 1130 in New York. Uh, I remember how I won the tickets. Uh, I was listening. Jim Lowe on the radio said uh, the, sh the show began with Lullaby of Broadway, Tony Bennett. And he said, pay attention, everyone, because uh, you never know what's going to happen at the end, end of the show. And at the end of the show, he said, what was the first song we played tonight? And I called in immediately and I won two tickets to Oklahoma at the Palace Theater in 1979. Oh my gosh, what a way to go in. And that was my first Broadway show. And then uh, I listened to that channel and I would call, um, I won tickets to almost every show on Broadway and I would give them a different name Good. With a different friend. And I, it, it, it's a wonder that they didn't pick up. They didn't have caller ID in those days. <laughs> but I, I would call my friend and say, you just won two tickets, but you have to take me. Yep. Good. Smart. Very smart. <laughs> so I saw that. And then I saw Barnum and I saw Death Trap. And oh, I mean, it was just such an exciting time. And let's talk about this for a moment. It was affordable also to go to oh. the theater on a more regular basis. I mean, so many people are being priced out. I mean, I think that's so in, like, I don't, uh, recently that Ain't No Mo, which was playing on Broadway, which got really great reviews. Sales were really low. So all of these people bought uh, tickets or they bought out performances. All these celebrities bought out performances and those performances were sold out. You know, they were so well attended. It has nothing to do with the content, I don't think, as much as it does with the affordability of getting into the theater. And so I wish there was a way that producers would be find, would find a way to make it more affordable for people to get into the theater. 
because it's not it's not about lack of desire of wanting to go. It's in it, the access, the inability. I mean, there it's expensive. You know, 160, 170, it's it's so much. Imagine having four kids that you want to take to the theater. Oh, I, I couldn't even imagine. Could not even imagine. I have a dear friend, a very generous friend, uh, who just before COVID, uh, she treated my husband Dan and I to Moulin Rouge. And we had excellent seats. And when I saw the ticket, the tickets were $300 each. Oh, yeah. $900 for the three of us to go to the theater. But do you know the story about my opening, uh, of going to the opening night of Hello, Dolly? No. Did I ever tell you this story? No. Do you want to hear it, everyone? Yes, I do. Um, you know, and my dear friend, Eileen Slater, who passed away this past year, so I dedicate right. the, uh, I'm writing a book celebrating the women who played Dolly, um, which hopefully, God willing, will come out next year to coincide with the 60th anniversary of Dolly. That's the goal. So, uh, Hello, Dolly, with Bette Midler, comes to Broadway. Opening night, invitation only. And I wanted to go to this show. So I am. I posted on Facebook, what do I need to do to get to this opening night? I will pay anything. So this woman that I've never met writes to me on Facebook. And she said, you want to go to the opening night of Hello, Dolly? I'm going to get you there. And then she finds out that there's an auction on the restoration project, Bette Midler's... Uh, uh, charity uh, for two opening night tickets and the after party. So she starts bidding. In the meantime, totally unrelated story. I win a contest and I go to the West Coast to present Jezebel as part of the Turner Classic Movie Film Festival. Oh my God. So I am on the red carpet with Lee Grant, Sidney Poitier, and, and my phone is going bzz, 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 and I keep checking my phone because this auction is going on and the price keeps going up you know a thousand two thousand five thousand and i go stop please stop please stop the, the price keeps going up it keeps going up it keeps going up she wins eleven thousand four hundred dollars she takes me to the opening night of hello dolly after she wins the tickets, a friend of mine writes to me and said, I'm so sorry, I tried to win your tickets, but somebody was bidding against me. <laughs> Talk about two people who were in, insisted on me going to the opening night. So she, God bless her, had rheumatoid arthritis in both knees. Mm. So we get, uh, so when we arrived, I said, let's go up to the second Fort Sardis, have a drink before the show. We get off the elevator who is the first person that we see, Scott Rudin. And Scott Rudin goes, Richard Skipper, I'm so glad you're here. And I wanted to say to him, you schmuck, you could have invited me and cut all of this out. Yes. <laughs> we made you jump through hoops for this. I one. know, I know. But I was there. I could have reached up and grabbed Bette Midler's ankles. I was in the front row. So I also love that people love you so much. You had two separate people working on this for you. <laughs> Willing to spend all this money for you. It was just is, amazing. That's a, that's a testament. It's a testament to you and unfortunately a testament to what the prices are. You know, $11,000 on an auction for well, that? Well, that was an auction. It just kept going. Well, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they were bidding against each other. Yeah. You know, you mentioned something earlier 
you know, and I want to talk about the marketing or something. I remember a couple of years ago that I was walking along 42nd Street and I was looking at the billboard for Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. And it was this huge billboard, if you remember, that was uh, over the New Amsterdam Theater. And and I was walking with a friend and I said, what's missing from that poster? And it was the iconic image of Mary Poppins, the silhouette. Yeah. And my friend stares and stares and stares and says, I don't know what's missing from this. And I said, the name of the actress playing Mary Poppins. Yeah. And when you think about the marketing of Broadway musicals now and all shows on Broadway, most of the marketing is done from what I understand, and you may have a take on this, um, is done outside of New York for the tourist trade. That is correct. So when people come to New York now and they go, and this is not a knock on Book of Mormon mm-hmm. uh, because it you know, has its audience uh, and everything, but people will buy and pay top dollar to see Book of Mormon, not based on the stars, not based on any particular song that they want to hear in the show, and not even based on the storyline but based on the way it's been marketed to them. It's a brand. It's a brand. And I think, uh, oh God, I hope I'm saying this correctly. I think it was Martin Scorsese who said recently that Marvel, the the, the people that are in Marvel movies, they're, they're not selling the movie. It's Marvel that sells the movie. It doesn't matter who's playing, you know, Iron Man or playing th- this person. It's the brand itself. And you, you lose... I think you lose a lot of actors' personalities. And I don't know if that's why... I, I I really cannot think of anybody off the top of my head right now, except maybe a few, where there's such a strong personality that you go to see them for that specific reason, if that makes sense. You know, it's it's not like Carol Channing in Hello, Dolly, or Angela Lansbury in Maine, you know? And I miss I miss that. And I think if you are playing Mary Poppins, your name should be above the title. You should be celebrated. It doesn't matter if anyone knows who you are. You should be celebrated for that accomplishment. Well, let's talk about that for just a moment, since you bring up Hello, Dolly. And, it, uh, you know, yes. the, the anniversary of Hello, Dolly is coming up, January 16th. And also, January 15th is the anniversary of Carol passing away. Oh, wow. Know? And uh, But, you know, uh, David Merrick read, which I'm in today, uh, you know, it's mentioned in the book, Um David Merrick was such a genius when it came to the marketing of that musical. Yes. And, you know, in all honesty, I mean, Hello, Dolly was a big hit uh, due to what Carol Channing brought to the role. Uh, But when she left the show, it very easily, to do the national tour, it very easily could have closed. Oh, absolutely. Right after that. Uh, But it was his genius idea to bring a movie star into the role. And that was when Ginger Rogers came into the role. And it was all this, you know, constant changing of these leading ladies. Um, And quite frankly, when Bette Midler and then Donna Murphy and uh, uh, Bernadette Peters um, and, you know, a lot of names were being bandied about mm-hmm. to play that role. Um, do you think that kind of iconic star status casting will ever happen again? Oh, what a great question. Um, not, I don't think in an original musical. 
I, I don't think we'll see it again in an original musical. I think I think now it's you will have to do these star vehicles from the past. I also don't know how many celebrities are willing to work on something that's an untested entity. So I think for them to go, oh, hello, Dolly, that's that's brilliant. That works brilliantly. No matter what my performance is, the show is still brilliant. So you don't really get that on a new musical. So I, I think you might, maybe if they do Mame, you know, maybe if there's a Guys and Dolls revival where they can keep or My Fair Lady, maybe. I don't think I see it on a new show. Mm -hmm. I would be very surprised. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Mame is a very difficult show to cast. I oh, mean, very difficult. I mean, the musical score we all know and love. Yeah. And I've seen various productions of Mame over the years. I've seen many actresses play the role. And it takes a very unique actress who can uh, get the pathos, uh, the comedy, and the musical chops and wrap it all into a nice bundle. And, you know, if you, there's a great YouTube clip of Pearl Bailey uh, from the Tony Awards. And she gets a special Tony Award for coming in and doing this. And she deservedly so because yeah. the box office went through the roof when this production came in. And for the first time in theater history, um, with, you know, Betty Grable was in the show. It closed on Sunday. And when the curtain went up on Tuesday, it was an all African-American company, completely yeah. new company uh, opening in that show. Um, and nothing like that had ever happened in the history of Broadway. Um, and by today's standards, there are some, and there may be, have been some at that time who considered it stunt casting, mm -hmm. uh, but it worked. And yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, you brought up a really interesting point, which I really had not even thought of until you mentioned it, which is, I think, with Hello, Dolly, David Merrick really created the modern day playbook or guidebook for what marketing should be. The rotating stars, the diversity in the casting. Um, and you know this better than I do, but I feel like at some point that the poster for Hello, Dolly eventually just became the red background with the white lettering of the title. So that, that in a way is just as iconic as the Phantom Masks or the Book of Mormon's doorbell. So I feel, I, you know what, if I, if I write a second edition of this book, I think I will switch my Hello Dolly content and I think I will make it about that. Maybe I'll have you write it for me, Richard, if you're interested. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I never thought about that. It's interesting that you say this because um, the marketing team for the recent revival of Dolly picked up on that. Yeah. And uh, interesting, um, with the, uh, even the television advertising, um, Bette Midler wasn't in the advertising for the TV commercials. Um, and if you remember the commercials, it just mentioned Hello, Dolly. And it was very simple. Yeah, There wasn't a lot that went into it. It probably saved them a lot of money, but they made a lot of money on that show. It was still a very expensive show of uh, to, uh, you know, to keep running uh, because of the star salaries and everything else going with it. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I think that if COVID had not come along, uh, you know, Carolee Carmelo, who I will say I saw in Philadelphia, um, I mean, God bless my husband, Danny, who has sat through so many productions of Dolly with me. <laughs> yes. He could do, he could recite the show by himself. Good. Uh, but, um, but we went to Philadelphia to see Carolee Carmelo and she and John Bolton. 
Oh. They're absolutely brilliant in those roles. I, I The two of them are just fabulous. Did you see it? No, no. I mean, I know their work so well, but I, I can imagine how brilliant they would have been. Is there, have you ever played the game of where it's, it's almost like fantasy, your fantasy baseball team, which is your fantasy Dolly, which is, you know, I'm going to take Carol Channing to play Dolly here, but I'm going to take David Hyde Pierce to play Vandegelder here. So you have the whole, the whole range of these actors. Do you have a dream cast regardless yes, of well, time space? Actually, believe it or there? not, and many people may not know this, but there was talk many, many years ago with Jerry Herman involved of doing a country western version of Hello Dolly set in Nashville with Dolly Parton as Dolly. And there's actually a clip on YouTube of Dolly Parton performing Hello Dolly. Have you ever seen it? No, I had no idea this was a thing. Yeah. It, I mean, she recorded some of the songs, which I've never, that's the I mean, only, she, uh, she sang Hello Dolly on one of her television specials. Okay. Um, and, you know, on the flip side of that, Carol Channing recorded several country Western albums. She recorded with Loretta Lynn, uh, Guy Pierce. I've got a whole slew of country no Western albums. Yes. Yeah, but um, that, I mean, the fact that Dolly Parton, you know, she would have been a, a great Dolly because she encompasses everything that Dolly is. Yes. Um, you know, I've seen so many people, you know, play Dolly. I saw Leroy Reams play Dolly. Did you see it? No, I wish I did. We flew to Florida to see Leroy. Um, I'll tell a story, and I hope that Leroy doesn't mind my telling the story. And this happened the night before we saw, and he was playing oh. said Louis Stadlin, who is another brilliant actor. I'm sure you've had him on the show. Oh, God, love him. And oh. Louis, uh, we also saw play opposite um, uh, Betty Buckley. I went to Cleveland to see them do it. So the night before, Leroy was coming down the stairs and he tripped and he fell down the stairs and his wig flew off and everything. And there he is with his wig off and everything. And he just stood up in Leroy fashion and said, well, now you know I'm a man. <laughs> I love that man so much. I do too. But he was so wonderful as Dolly. I mean, he had all the warmth. I mean, he is... I mean, he's the one I defer to because he has directed so many incredible actresses uh, as Dolly. He knows that role and he knows what that show is all about. Have you seen him do the Cornelius monologue? Oh, yes. It's gorgeous. Yes. It's stunning. I just did a concert at 54 and he came and did it for us. Everyone was in tears. Everyone. He's He's magical especially with this show. There's something about him and this show that match up so perfectly with one another. Yeah, he is a special one. Years ago, I was uh, playing, uh, when I was performing as Carol, I was doing a show in Riverdale and I was just about to do the uh, Ephraim Let Me Go speech. Hmm. And I walked to the footlights and I went, Ephraim? And a man in the audience goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> And I told Carol this story, and she said, what are the chances? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my so God. Funny is that? 
I won't tell you who the actress was, but I there was, you know, years ago, there was a production of Dolly and I, I went to see it. And during intermission, I called Carol and Carol said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, she's not you. And Carol said, Richard, that's worse than racial profiling. Get that thought out of your head right now and enjoy wow. the production. Well, oh, she gave you permission. She said, wow. That's big. I know I'll tell you something else. You know, the funny thing, Carol always said that she was too busy playing Dolly to see all the other actresses play Dolly. But when Carol passed away, they found scrapbooks and she had notes on all the actresses who had played Dolly over the years. Okay. Did she, did she, you know, if she had a favorite? I won't ask you the negative. I won't be the negative and go. Well, I think Pearl oh, Bailey. Oh, I sure. think that she really admired Pearl Bailey's uh, Dolly. It's, I mean, I, I've only gotten to see the clips of that or that are on YouTube. It's fabulous. It's fabulous. I've, I've just, I've seen some footage also of Nell Carter doing it. Yes, with Nipsey Russell. Yeah, and I actually really enjoyed her performance of it. I don't know. I I, enjoy, I, I enjoyed that. It's, you know, you know, very interesting. Um, you know, along these lines, uh, you know, I recently was at a party, and there was someone there, and she said, "I hate revivals. Revival should not happen on Broadway. Uh, you know, once it's happened, we should never, you know, never revisit them or anything." And you know, and my thought about this is, well, first of all, let's face it, uh, the tried and true is a safer bet than trying something new. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, we don't have the opportunity like Dolly and Mame and Applause and so many other shows that had the opportunity to try out on the road. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, and with Carol, John Gilgood said to Carol, Hello, Dolly was the American Hamlet. It should mm. be done every seven years for new generations to enjoy. Oh, and of I course, Carol that. did. Every seven years, she would come out and do it again. But one of the things that I want to talk to you about this, I was reading an article recently, is, and this is one of the things that really concerns me about social media and the scrutiny of where we are, especially with shows not having the luxury of being able to go on the road. Yeah. And that is, we don't have the opportunity to be and take this, you know, with in the way that, uh, and I mean this respectfully, to be bad. Yes. We don't have the, t uh, the opportunity to work out the kinks. Yes. Because there are people filming things. There are people that are uh, secretly taping things. There are people that are rushing to put things out uh, before they've had a chance to grow. Yes. Yeah. How do we how do we get past that? Oh boy. Um that is a a great question and I don't know if we ever will. I don't want to sound pessimistic about it, but I mean I've seen, you know, situ or I've had situations where a, a friend will text me and say, "Oh, I'm at, I'm at the reading of this new musical and listen to this song. It's so horrible." And they'll, they'll send you an audio clip. And you'll go, what, what, first of all, don't do that. That's number one. But mm -hmm. second of all, what, let them experiment. You have to let them experiment. And I don't, and I think, unfortunately, 
we've probably lost a lot of good shows because they couldn't find their footing right at the beginning. And 30 years ago, they would have had time to do so. And we don't allow that anymore. And I don't know what that is. I really don't know what that is. And I don't know if it's going to change. It might even get worse. Well, let's talk about a show that's now, I think, has finally found its footing. And that's Merrily We Roll Along. Oh, my have gosh. You seen yeah. the current, have you seen the new revival? Not this one. I saw her production of it in London, which I hear is the same mm-hmm. staging concept. But I haven't seen these actors do it now. Why do you think that it, it is now resonating the way that it is? Uh, ha- you haven't seen it. So, you know, but what are you hearing about it that, uh, you know, that it's now because the word is that it will transfer? Yes. Yes. I will be honest with you. And I'm, I'm curious if maybe somebody's listening can chi- that can chime in. All I keep hearing is it works now. It works now. It works now. And I'll ask, well, why does it work now? Well, it just works now. <laughs> and so and i've heard that from a lot of people i haven't heard any and those three performers the three of them are also brilliant mm-hmm. so i don't know if there's something that they're bringing to the table that we haven't seen before i don't if she's doing the same production she did 10 years ago in london mm-hmm. i don't think there's a lot of script or song changes to it so all i know is it keeps work that's all i keep hearing is no one can be specific about it have you seen it? No, I haven't. Yeah. So I don't know. All I keep hearing, it works now. It works. Well, why does it work? It just works. I don't know if that's affection for Mr. Sondheim's passing. I don't know if it's the fact that it's the great Harry Potter doing an off-Broadway music. I don't, I'm not trying to be cynical or negative. I'm just curious <laughs> to know a specific reason of why people think this works now. Now, I want to go full circle uh, as we, you know, move towards the end of the show. You know, that we talked about the excitement of being kids going to the theater. Mm-hmm. And obviously that excitement is still there for you. Mm-hmm. What's coming up that you're excited about? And oh. what's happening with you as far as your production, your theater company? Oh, yeah. So um, things that are coming up that excite me. I'm very excited by this Sweeney Todd that's coming in. It's a full orchestra. Yes. And the cast is huge. I mean, as as wonderful as like the circle and the square and John Doyle's, I want an epic. I want a big full <laughs> epic sound because that's that, like- and I will say that that is my favorite Sondheim score. Yeah, it's so good. It's a and I'm also you, you see, talk about the idea of 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 not being able to fail. The number of people I've heard go, Oh, Josh Groban and Annalie Ashford. Oh, that's not right casting. Um, have you seen it? Have you seen them do it? You don't know. You don't know until they do it. They can both be brilliant. You don't know. But, you know, that's an age-old thing. I mean, yeah. you know, from the very beginning. I mean, getting back to Dolly for a moment, yeah. Gower did not want Do- uh, Carol Channing in that role. Yeah. Um, he thought that she was too identified with Laura Lee that she would never be able to pull off that role. And March Champion, uh, you know, uh, coached her. Um, I want to share a clip uh, with you, if I may. Uh, it's a musical. Uh, it's uh, it's from my fiftieth birthday, and because uh, uh, I shared the clip, uh, the photo of you. Uh, but I'm going to share with everyone a highlight of my life, oh. dancing with one of my favorite musical comedy stars. Oh, so it's just just for fun. Here it is. Here it is. 
That's a memory. I mean, that was my 50th birthday. And, you know, uh, Danny and I, when Carol passed away uh, a few years ago, we went out uh, to Palm Springs for her memorial. And I went to see Marge, who at that time was 100 years old. And she was still sharp as a tack. Yeah. And at the time, this was previous administration. I'll just put it out there. Mm -hmm. Marge said, Richard, I have to live long enough to see that man out of the White House. <laughs> Unfortunately, she didn't. But, uh, you know, but she was feisty and fun and her stories. I mean, and again, and I, again, Charles Kirsch, Rob, and, you know, those of us who do what we do, don't take it for granted because we get a chance to preserve these stories. Yeah. And I mean, this book, you know, with the work that you do, uh, it's great. So what's coming up that you're directing? So um, we we announced our third season at J2 Spotlight on January 10th. But if you're a past season subscriber, you, you've already received the email. So I can give you some really obvious hints. So I can't tell you the shows, but I can give you some. Oh obvious. come on! There's, it's just a select audience, and it's going to be announced this week anyway. Absolutely. So uh, the first show will be a 1981 Lauren Bacall musical. If you can guess that, good, good for you. I wrote the book on how yep. to be cool. Yep, that's show number one. <laughs> Has it been cast yet? No, not yet. We haven't done casting yet. Tess Harding. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm. 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 I'm excited. What do I win? What do I win? <laughs> yeah, you did so good. And uh, show number two is interesting. Show number two is going to be a musical from the '70s, written by Bob Merrill and Julie Stein. And another version of this show is currently playing in New York, on Broadway. So it's the same source material. One just opened at the Schubert Theater. And uh, then we'll open up in April. I think I know what it is. <laughs> but I saw the first one that you mentioned. You know, I'm not going to give away the title. Uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of people know. Uh, uh, but did oh. what? Mm -mm -mm. What? Mm -mm. Nothing. 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 So I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited by your season. Uh, 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 as a matter of fact, I told you about the new show that I'm writing, and one of the yes. songs that will be in one of your shows, I sang uh, that I'm going to be singing in the show that I'm writing. Oh, I love that! I was doing my show at Helen's Supper Club. Do you remember Helen's? And I was no. doing my show. Well, it, it was at Eighth Avenue and uh, 18th Street, right next okay. to the Joyce Theater, and oh. I was um. And it was my opening night. I'm getting ready to go out. And Leroy Reams is in the audience. March Champion is in the audience. Sandra Lee, Rex Reed. It's like, a, it was a who's who of the theater. Critics are in the audience. Um, my show opened with a 15 minute 
video montage before the show even began of Carol's life and career. Mm. And then I had a five-piece band, three backup singers. It was a big production. I am waiting to come out. And I said to my assistant, I'm going to pass out. And she said, no, it's just opening night jitters. And I said, no, I'm going to pass out. And uh, I go on stage. I'm singing my opening song. And I was having an out-of-body experience. I could feel yeah. this tingling going up my legs. But I, it was like the lyrics were coming out, but something else was going on. Yeah. So I'm doing my second song. The third song, which is from, I hit the final note. And I went mad. And I hit the floor. And the audience is screaming because they felt sure. it was all part of the show. They are applauding, they're cheering. And then someone said, I think he's having a seizure. And so, because I wasn't moving. So someone said, I'm a nurse. They came running up on the stage, grabbed my pulse and said, do you know your name? And I said, yes, I'm Carol Chan. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you are. I didn't, break, I didn't break character. They took me out. They made an announcement that no, I mean, for no one to move, that they would give everyone a full refund if the show wasn't able to go on. They called the paramedics. I was taken out of my dressing room. I pulled myself back together. They came in. They're giving me glucose, getting me ready to, to come on to do the show. And when I came back, uh, you know, so, um, and as I said to, to everyone, if you're going to pass out, pass out in Chelsea because the paramedics look like they stepped out of a magazine. So the paramedics come in and I said, would you please walk me on stage? And the paramedics said, if you're not able to walk on stage by yourself, we're not going to, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. And my musical director said, are you crazy? He wants to make an entrance. So yes. Lee, Carol Channing had just got married and Lee uh, to Harry and Leroy Reams sent me a note downstairs and he said, are you pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Leroy Reams. So I, so I pulled myself back together. I walked on stage with the two paramedics and I did the show. And yes, you did. I, I finished the show that night. Uh, any, anyway, uh, it was just fun. I can't wait for your next season. Thanks. And, oh, uh, we have our, our third show really quickly, if you can guess, is a 1990s Bernadette Peters Martin short vehicle, which will be directed by the lyricist of that show. Wow. Wow. So that's all season. Well, you ain't doing bad, Mr. Schneider. <laughs> we're very lucky. We are, I mean, we're we're very lucky. I mean, it's you know, like I said on a, on a previous interview, you know, we just want to take these shows for, to, to the person who said, by the way, that there shouldn't be revivals. Uh, to me, that's like saying, well, okay, put a blanket over Mona Lisa. Don't show Citizen Kane anymore. You know, take Great Gatsby off the shelves. That audience saw it. You, you need to be refreshed of these wonderful pieces of art. And so what we hope to do, whether or not you're going to like Woman of the Year or dislike Woman of the Year, you at least get to say, oh, I saw it. I Absolutely. saw it. And I think that's really important. So we, well, we thank you for the support. Anything that I can do to get the word out or anything, do not thank you. Uh, I love you. I'm a fan you of yours. You have an open door always on this show. 
50 Key Stage Musicals, everyone. Uh, get the book. Uh, uh, Joel, please, Richard at richardskipper.com, please send me your contact information. Uh, do you know each other? Do you know? I Rothman? do know Joel and Jerry Rothman from Chicago, Illinois. Yes. So we'll make sure that uh, they get an autographed copy of the book. It is so much fun. Uh, you can't put it down. It's a lot Thank of fun you. to go through. I'm going to say my closing remarks, and then I'm going to turn it over to you and let you close the show with anything you want to say. It could be about anything we talked about today, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message that you want to leave everyone with today. Um, each day I pull a word for the day, and the word that I picked today is time. Uh, and I was thinking about time as I was preparing for today's show. And time is something that we all have. Uh, and it's something that we squander. It's something that we all want more of. And it's something that we take advantage of. It's something that we waste. Uh, but take the time to do several things. Take the time to go to the theater. There's nothing like it. Take the time to read a good book. Take the time to reach out to a good friend. Take the time to do all these things. Uh, I was reading recently, uh, and the, the other night I went to uh, see a concert, and then one of my favorite theater people, Mark Kudish, made a surprise appearance, and he came out. And I had just been reading that afternoon about what our lives are. Our lives, every single day, are made up of two things. We are becoming and we are dying. And I know that sounds morbid, but if you think about the choices that we make every single day, uh, think about how we could wrap those things up if this was the last day, you know, the last thing that you would leave everyone with or the last uh, actions that you would take. I think that if you had that thought in the back of your mind, Perhaps it would change the way that you respond to certain things that come your way. Uh, if you're waiting in line, for example, and uh, the line seems to be going on for a little too long, is it really worth it to get upset about it? On New Year's Day every year, I go to Sylvia's. This year, because it was on a Sunday on New Year's Day, two and a half hours to get seated. It was worth it. I met wonderful people while I was waiting. I went in, I sat, I was in no hurry. What was I gonna be doing if I was sitting at home? Just watching television or sitting in front of the computer. Just take the time to enjoy these moment to moment to moment things. And think as you go through the day about time, these 50 key musicals, make a list of your favorite musicals. Send them to Rob. Maybe yes. they'll part of, be part of a season next year. Yes. I'm excited about this season. I want to be there opening night. Yay. So I'm sure that I am there opening night. Come as my guest, please. Well, I'd love that. Um, but, you know, as I say, reach out to these people that matter to you. I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. You don't have to win this book to get it. Go to Amazon.com or your favorite bookseller. For yourself, and then someone uh, send one to your favorite theater geek, friend, fan, and let them know what they mean to you. Uh, I end every show also with a quote that a dear friend of mine says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. 
But as someone said to me, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different boats. Some are in yachts, some are in rowboats, some are in canoes, some are pushing tugboats right up the stream. I don't care what kind of boat you're in, just make sure you have a skipper by your side. And remember, I wrote the book on that too. So Rob, it's all yours. Thank you. And I just adore you. I love you, Richard. Thank you. Um, Richard's word for the, the day, which is time, I think is, is so wonderful. And I think what I'm going to do today, and hopefully you'll do the same thing as well, is take the time today to thank the person who introduced you to this wonderful world of the arts. Um, Richard mentioned, uh, his friend who would come down with the cast albums. I mentioned my parents and Robert Bonato, but think back on who that person was and take the time to write them a note, an email if, they, if they've left this world. Just take a moment to, to think of them, and I'm, and I'm sure they'll, they'll hear you wherever they are. Um, but I would love for us to really embrace his idea of time and to take the time to thank the person who gave us the gift of the arts. Uh, Richard, thank you so much for everything that you do. I love you and adore you. You are the best in this business, and we are so lucky to have you. And thank you for the mug. I'm going to be using this a lot. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.